Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. 18 years and one last NFL wish was granted. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus, the ESPN app, and on your smart speaker. I'm Amber Wilson. He's Joe Fortenbaugh. We are, of course, filling in for Mike Greenberg. We're presented by Progressive Insurance with all guests appearing via the Goodyear hotline. 18 years and then the Steelers go on a Monday night. They deliver Big Ben his greatest wish with a 26-14 victory against the Cleveland Browns. Be a part of Greeny Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. College football bowl season is here and fans are hyped. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one that fans deserve. So early in the pregame warmups, we did, Joe, get the tribute video from Art Rooney to Big Ben, thanking him, of course, for his 18 years. But beyond that, I mean, there wasn't a ton of pomp and circumstance, probably how Ben Roethlisberger wanted it, frankly, because he kind of treated the whole thing like a normal game for him. He went through his normal pregame routine as far as when he shows up to the stadium, the things that he does. I did think it was cool for that coin toss. Normally, he'd be flanked by the other captains of the team when they're walking out there for the coin toss, of course, and Cam Hayward and Derek Watt, they decided to hang back and, and they didn't tell Ben that they were going to do that. So it ends up that big Ben is out there by himself for the coin toss. He gets that moment. Uh, there was a couple other moments after he takes the knee in the victory formation. He ends up hanging around after the post game for another 12 minutes, going around thanking the fans. There was a lot of chance from the 64,000 fans uh, throughout the entire game. So a special moment for him. He was emotional, visibly emotional at the end of the game, Joe. And it's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. So that's a wrap, at least at Heinz, for Big Ben. We obviously will see him get one more opportunity here to make the playoffs, and then they're going to need a little help from the Colts to lose to the Jags in order for the Steelers to get. And this is probably the last time, you know, this is one of the last two games probably for Ben Roethlisberger's career. Their playoff chances, I think, are at like 8% right now for that Steelers team. What do you make of Big Ben's legacy? Big Ben's legacy is the dream that every front office, every owner, every coaching staff has when they pull the trigger on a quarterback in the first round of the NFL draft. And that's long-term stability. A lot of people can say a lot of different things about Roethlisberger's career, but it all boils down to long-term stability. 18 seasons, during which time he started 246 of a possible 288 regular season games. That is 85%. That shows you consistency, reliability, and durability. During that time, he went 164, 81, and 1. He won 66 of his games went to three Super Bowls won two of them all right it's easy to look now by suffering from recency bias and say well the last couple years you know they could have done but anybody anybody would take the last couple years if they knew what they were going to get for the first 16 just three years ago this guy threw for 5100 yards and 34 touchdowns with that offense Roethlisberger is exactly what you want It's the dream every front office has when they pull the trigger on a quarterback number one overall. And what I mean by number one overall is your first pick that year, the the first round of the NFL draft. Because if you talk to the Browns, the Ravens right now, because they've got injury issues, 
You ask Miami where you're located, the Jets, Washington, Chicago, Jacksonville, the list goes on and on, Amber. Those teams have been searching for consistent stability at the quarterback position for decades, decades, and Pittsburgh has had that. So you can say what you want about how it's ending, but put the totality of the circumstances in front of you. His legacy is long-term stability at the position, which is what everybody dreams of. It's funny because you and I had the conversation yesterday about when it's too soon to move on from quarterbacks, and I believe we were talking about it in the context of Tua Tagovailoa, but you were pretty adamant that these quarterbacks probably deserve a bit more time. It shows with the Steelers how if you can garner that stability at that position, how well that serves your organization. And frankly, we can talk about that because we also are going to have this conversation moving forward about head coaches in the NFL and spots opening up. And, and we can say the same thing for that head coaching position as well for that Steelers organization. Stable, I think, is a very good word to describe Ben Roethlisberger's legacy, at least in terms of football. I mean, there's some complications there when we talk about his legacy, obviously, Uh, multiple accusations of sexual assault. We all remember uh, the motorcycle accident. I mean, he did serve a six-game suspension, I think, back in, what was it, 2011. I mean, he's had some troubles during his NFL career, but certainly on the field and for that Steelers organization, stability has been the name of the game. He becomes, he was the youngest Super Bowl-winning quarterback, I believe, to do it uh, when he got that first Super Bowl win back in 2006. You mentioned the first pick, and you said the first pick for that organization, of course, he was the 11th pick in that 2004 draft. Uh, one, uh, something that he's salty about. That might have gone differently maybe if he had stayed uh, for his final year there at uh, Miami of Ohio uh, University. But nevertheless, it ends up that pick working out very, very well for that Steelers organization. That draft is an interesting one. I'm sure we'll talk about that at some point on today's show. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. Uh, so the end of an era for Pittsburgh. And by the way, Joe, because I mentioned it yesterday, for some reason we weren't getting the definitive, like I'm absolutely done from Ben Roethlisberger and maybe he just doesn't want to distract from the actual games that they're trying to win because that team still could make the playoffs. So they obviously are trying to win out here. They still have something to play for. It was very obvious the Browns were not in the same position last night. They did not have anything to play for, uh, but the Steelers did beyond just a Ben Roethlisberger's farewell. Although it was kind of funny to me because he never definitively said that he was done but then we still got you know like the video tribute the chance everyone's very much acting like we're done I know the interview at the end in the post with Lisa Salter she she's very definitive about the fact that he's done and, and, and he recognized it after the game there and you saw the tears in his eyes here was Big Ben on the post game with Lisa Salter's you know, I didn't think I was going to take the field again, but it's the best play in football when you're an offensive player is to take a knee. And so I'm glad I got to do it one last time. One last time. How do you leave this place, Ben? I don't know. With a win. I'm just so thankful for the fans, my family, obviously, and the good Lord has blessed me in so many ways. Uh, we still got another game. I'll be excited and ready to go for that, but this is just an awesome place. All week, you've been saying you've got to focus. You let yourself feel it, but you got to focus. At one point, at what point did you just let it all sink in? Um, probably about now. Um, just the end of it, having a chance to go back out there. Just, I don't know. I'm at a loss for words. I'm just so thankful for these fans and this place. Um, there's no no place like it. 
Even when he ran out of the tunnel, of course, the last player announced there with the 64,000 screaming fans and they broke out into the Let's Go Ben chant. He didn't seem emotional to me at all. I mean, he did seem like it was that moment after the game that it really sunk in. I was convinced on that third and one near the end of the game when they called timeout to get organized that he was going to come out, sneak the ball for the one yard, secure the win, and then they would do the two or three kneel downs and it would be over. And I kept thinking to myself, I don't know if you want to risk the injury. I don't know if you want to put him in a spot where you could damper the light where if he tries to sneak it, gets it, doesn't get it. I thought that just would have been fitting. He gets it. It's over. You go on and he kneels it out. But the handoff to Harris, which went for a touchdown, and then the entirety of Heinz Field just explodes in Western Pennsylvania. That was the perfect ending because it gave you that opportunity with all that that pent-up excitement. You've been cheering all night, standing all night. It's a team that, look, they're not mathematically out, but they're out, all right? Even if they get in, they have 0% chance of winning any playoff games or doing anything with that offense. They have been abysmal on the road this season. So to go out like that on Monday Night Football, a standalone island game that the entire country is watching, that's how a legacy like Ben Roethlisberger deserves to go out. Because next week against Baltimore, that's going to be an afterthought in the conversation. They're going to be real-life playoff games that we are keeping an eye on games with much more significance, games with much more importance, and his retirement will take a backseat then. So this was a perfect way to do it in the final home game with a big touchdown run from Harris to cap the night. Yeah, and it was good to see the Browns players also went over after that victory formation. He takes the knee, even the Browns players were over, you know, slapping him on the helmet and everybody recognizing, of course, what he has meant to the NFL over these last 18 years that he has spent in Pittsburgh. Greeny is presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle auto, home, or motorcycle insurance. Visit Progressive.com. There was another quarterback playing in yesterday's game, uh, and it was very ugly. I mean, as ugly as ugly can be we'll discuss coming up next this is greenie on espn radio amber wilson and joe fortenbaugh filling in for greenie greenie the podcast for the ones who get it done granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions plus their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer call clickgranger.com or just stop by Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. History was made last night. Uh, not necessarily the type of history that the Cleveland Browns wanted to make. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Joe Fortenbaugh filling in for Mike Greenberg. What makes AutoZone America's number one battery destination? Because they offer free battery testing and charging and reliable replacement batteries starting at just $79.99. They've always got your battery solution. Get in the zone, auto zone. So Ben Roethlisberger and Baker Mayfield, they made history last night. The two quarterbacks threw for 308 yards, Joe, on 84 passing attempts. Their 3.67 yards per attempt is the lowest combined rate in a game in NFL history. So 
You really uh, set the sport back a few I, years last I, night. Yeah, last night that. was a rough watch, unless, of course, you were watching it because it was Ben Roethlisberger's final time uh, playing a game after an 18-year career at home. It was a very rough watch if you were a Cleveland Browns fan. I don't even know why you'd be watching, frankly, if you were a Browns fan. The Browns, they went out with a whimper after already having been mathematically eliminated from playoff contention. They put on, I mean, just a totally listless performance. It was a total embarrassment. But, Joe, can you really make anything of it? Because they weren't playing for anything. They knew that going into the game. Well, the first thing I would throw out there is there's been this argument for a while now about analytics, its place in sports, and whether or not it's overblown, whether or not you need it, whether or not it's irrelevant, all that stuff. I would say that if you are pro-analytics, the Cleveland Browns in 2021 are a great case study in what analytics can do when it comes to predicting the future. All right? Last year, Cleveland goes 11-5. and five. First big-time season in, let's say, forever since they came back into existence after moving to Baltimore. And you had a lot of people who came into this year very excited about the future of the Cleveland Browns. They're trending in the right direction. They can run. They can protect. They can play defense. They have the reigning coach of the year. But the analytics guys knew that that record last season was a bit propped up. Sure, they were 11-5. and But look at their point differential. Over the course of 16 games, an 11-5 and team should probably outscore the opposition by more than 100 or so points, right? They had a minus 11 point differential. They went 11-5 and and were outscored by 11 points over the course of a season. That's a big red flag. Their record in one-score games was phenomenal. That's a big red flag. And ultimately, you saw the natural regression that was due for the Cleveland Browns come due this season as they failed to win close games and as they fell apart throughout the course of the year. They weren't as good as their record indicated last year. They're probably not as bad as their record indicates this year. But to go out with a whimper, what do you expect? It shows you the high, how important motivation is in sports. Last night, Roethlisberger's last home game, Pittsburgh is motivated. Cleveland had been eliminated from the playoffs the day before. They didn't even bother showing up. And that was very evident over the course of 60 minutes at Heinz Field last night. It's fair because, of course, motivation matters in sports. Obviously, it's a very physical game. I mean... There's a difference, Joe, when you're working out and you know you're about to go to the beach in a couple weeks, some beach vacation on a tropical island, right? And when you know you're about to gear up for the winter up north, there's a difference there in terms of motivation. So I understand when it comes to uh, physical exertion, of course, motivation matters. All that being said, we all watched on national television last night that Browns performance, so maybe some of that motivation should have been the narrative around the Browns. ESPN NFL insider Dan Graziano, he's going to join us right now on the Goodyear hotline with you for every mile on the road to greatness. Goodyear more driven. So Dan, let me bring you into this conversation that Joe and I are having. But before I get to the disappointment here with the Browns, let's focus on the good from last night. And that was Ben Roethlisberger, his send off after 18 years at home. What is Big Ben's legacy? Oh, I mean, look, legitimate franchise quarterback, right? I mean, you, you take a guy 11th in the draft, and I mean, you, you and, and if I tell you on draft day, this guy's going to play for you and only you for 18 years, you're going to win the Super Bowl twice, he's going to go to the Hall of Fame. I mean, you, you know, you sign up for that in a heartbeat. So that's that's who he is, and, and, and I don't say it lightly because, I mean, we see it all the time. Teams are constantly searching for a guy like that. Um, he's an interesting one because he doesn't really fit the mold, right? He, he, he's bigger and and uh, and kind of played it a little bit differently than a lot of guys. But 
um, you know, the track record is the track record, and he's he's a, a Pittsburgh sports legend. Dan, based on everything you have seen over the last 18 years, if you're building a franchise today, who do you take from the 2004 draft to be your starting quarterback? Ben Roethlisberger, Eli Manning, or wow. Philip Rivers? That is a great question. Boy, I'll tell you what, it, it is, that's tough. I mean, see, Ben, again, like you got to put yourself back in that 2004 and think to yourself, what's it going to be? Um, the ability to extend the play, um, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think I might go with Eli because of the durability, never missed a game, right? Ben obviously played better. Rivers played better, but uh, Eli and Ben won more than Rivers did. Uh, but I, I think that the fact that – and Giants fans are living this now with Daniel Jones. Uh, you can't overstate the importance of knowing for a fact your guy is going to suit up every Sunday. And Eli was that guy. Never, Literally never missed one game due to injury uh, in his entire career – and tied with Ben for two Super Bowls. So I might give him the edge just based on that if I'm looking for a way to split the hairs. Not sure you can go wrong with any of those guys. That was a heck of a draft back no. in 2004. Uh, Dan Graziano joining Amber Wilson and Joe Fortenbaugh. We are filling in for Greeny today. So I mentioned the poor performance from the Browns. They didn't have anything to play for last night, Dan, but it was still really disappointing to see. Baker is 6'1". We've seen quarterbacks be 6'1 before <laughs> and have some success. I mean, he plays like he's 4'9 out there. How much of that, though, uh, is on Stefanski's shoulders for not protecting his quarterback? quarterback better yeah a right tackle rookie right tackle over there on tj watt and didn't give him much help but that, that's tough i mean that's it's hard to justify a decision like that especially when your quarterback is hurt baker's been playing hurt since week two um no questioning baker's toughness uh his desire all that kind of stuff that none, none of that's ever going to be questioned the question is his ability to elevate, and, and this year he didn't show it. Now, whether that's because of the injury, whether that's because of what happened with them at wide receiver, they didn't have their running backs healthy all year. Now, there's all kinds of potential reasons for it. But the fact of the matter is, this: if you're evaluating Baker Mayfield as your future, based on this year, it doesn't help his case. And so the Browns go into the offseason having to figure it out. How much of it was health? How much of it was circumstances? How much of it do we believe – it will or won't repeat itself, and then what, what do we do with our long-term quarterback plan as a result? He's on the team next year for a guaranteed $19 million almost for, uh, on his fifth-year option. So uh, unless they can find someone to take that or a good chunk of it, it's hard to see them moving on. Uh, but their actions will tell you how they feel, whether it's bringing in someone else to compete or drafting a guy that, that might be the answer and maybe develop behind him, uh, you'll, you'll see uh, when the Browns go into the offseason and make their plan at quarterback uh, what their decision is. But, look, they, they came out of last year feeling good about Baker. You obviously come out of this year feeling a little less good about him. Uh, and, you know, heading into year five, it is certainly time to, to make some sort of decision on whether you feel like he's the guy that can lead you to a championship. On the field and in the box score, anybody can take a look at Mayfield and make an assessment as to whether or not he's been a good pro quarterback so far. But behind the scenes, how is he received in that locker room? Is he a leader? Is he well-liked? Has the locker room turned on him at all? What's, what's his standing within the, within the clubhouse? You know, we worried about this because, uh, you know, Odell Beckham was well-liked in the locker room. If there was a fallout between those two players and Odell was the one that had to go, 
uh, you wondered if that might have an effect. doesn't seem to have, from what I understand. I think that's a, that's a solid locker room, and I think they respect, again, Baker, even if he doesn't perform the way you want him to, I think the fact that he's playing with one arm and that he's going out there and toughing it out, got him back in the game last night. I mean, I, I, think, there's, I think the people in that locker room like and respect him. Um, it just comes down to, honestly, it's just going to come down to performance. I mean, if you can't win, if you can't elevate, if you can't deliver – uh, on the level that they need you to to get you back in the play. I mean, he won a playoff game for him last year, so it's not like they've never seen anything from him that gives them faith in him. But, um, yeah, I don't think their locker room is fractured or split or upset with Baker. I think it's um, I think it's really just a matter of what's happened on the field not matching up with their expectations, and that goes for the coaching staff and the front office and the players as well. ESPN NFL insider Dan Graziano joining Amber Wilson, Joe Fortenbaugh filling in for Greeny. So let's move on to another disappointing team in the NFL. Uh, we heard another rant by Joe Judge, uh, Dan, and we've heard several of these this season. He gave the fans permission to boo him. I'm not sure the fans in New York needed that permission. No, has they anything? For that. Yeah. Right, they weren't looking for that. They were going to do it either way. Is has anything <laughs> that's happened here down the stretch changed anything about the situation with Joe Judge and his job security in New York? I think I think it's possible. I, I still would I still would bet the other way. I, I, I would if you had had me put money on it, which I wouldn't. But if I was forced to, I would say he's probably back for a third year. But you have to look at it objectively. I mean, like if you're the owners of the Giants, you just watched uh, your team get destroyed by a team that is probably going to fire its coach next week. Like that's I, I think it's widely expected that Chicago will make a change. At head coach, no disrespect to Matt Nagy. I mean, it's just assessing the situation. But now you're thinking, you got to think to yourself, well, if they're doing it and they just beat us by 31, you know, so I, I think it's possible. I, I, don't, I don't think it's out of the question that minds get changed based on the way the team is performing or, or, or failing to compete. Um, I know they like Joe Judge and they want him to succeed. Uh, we were on Get Up this morning and, and Marcus Spears made an interesting comparison. You know, he talked about Zach Taylor. You go back a year, Zach Taylor in Cincinnati was like, well, what's the, what's the reason to keep this guy? Like, what's he shown? And now all of a sudden, he's a division champion and coach of the year candidate in year three. So Joe Judge would have to show something along those lines for the fan base to feel like, you know, the, the organization should be behind him. Now, I don't know who his Joe Burrow is. Uh, he might not have the opportunity to do what Zach Taylor did. But, um, yeah, I, I think the Giants in a perfect world would love – to bring him back and have his year three, year four, year five, et cetera, performance justify their faith in him. I, I don't know at this point what exactly they'll decide a week from now. Dan, two days removed from the Antonio Brown situation at the Meadowlands between the Jets and the Buccaneers. Bucks obviously want to move on. I saw you guys uh, talking about the situation on Get Up this morning. If he is, in fact, gone, which it looks like he will be, does he have a future in the NFL? Do you see another team making a move for Antonio Brown? I don't. I mean, I, I pause a little bit because, you know, we had Mike Tannenbaum on talking about the GM's perspective and how you could bring him in for a short-term boost and get that boost before things turn bad, kind of like the Bucks did last year. And, and, you know, Mike was a GM for a long time, and I think he understands how they think, so you can't rule it out. But, my goodness, how do you sell that to your fan base, to your locker room? I mean, the only reason it worked in Tampa was because Brady was so – supportive of them. There's literally no player in the league that has the same kind of cachet as Brady, 
whose word means as much as Brady when he's vouching for a player coming to the roster. So now, now you, you don't have that anymore on your side. I think a lot is working significantly against Antonio Brown's chances of ever playing in the league again. Never say never just because teams do weird things, but I don't, I can't imagine. ESPN NFL insider Dan Graziano, thanks so much for joining us, Dan. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Wendy's knows a better breakfast starts with a better biscuit. Get a light and flaky Wendy's breakfast biscuit with bacon or sausage, egg and cheese. These hot and buttery treasures come stacked with oven-baked applewood smoked bacon or savory breakfast sausage with fresh cracked egg and cheese. So don't risk your biscuit someplace else. Get to your nearest Wendy's drive through during breakfast hours and get your Wendy's breakfast biscuits with sausage or bacon, egg and cheese, limited time only at participating U.S. Wendy's. Are you laughing while I'm doing that live because I sound so passionate, Joe, about the Wendy's biscuit? Can you tell how hungry I am when we do this show, this shift? (laughs) There are a couple lines in there I really like. Don't risk it with the biscuit. Can't risk your biscuit. How do you describe it? Buttery... (laughs) Buttery, I don't know. I don't have the words in front of me anymore, it's but it sounds marketing. delightful. It it's really, really marketing. is. Uh, <laughs> sausage or bacon. There you go. So uh, what was not delightful, uh, talk, talk about a, a radio shift there. What was not delightful <laughs> was the Cleveland Browns and the performance that they put up in that Monday night football game last night. Baker Mayfield failed to complete a pass on 10 consecutive throws in the first half. That is the NFL's longest incompletion streak since 2000. 19 of course Joe that was that infamous Sam Darnold I'm seeing ghosts game we all remember that one Uh, so now Baker does it here in 2022 we know that this season has taken a physical toll on Baker Mayfield he revealed after the game last night that he is going to get offseason surgery I doubt we're going to see him in the Browns final game of the season he had that torn labrum that he suffered in week two. It's been a rough season for Baker Mayfield. It's been a very rough season for the Cleveland Browns. Can they win with Baker Mayfield? Because you always hear about the height thing. And man, he had how many batted balls down last night, batted passes, knocked down last night. And obviously he was sacked something like nine times last night. Not all of that. Nine times. Not all of that is on Baker. You know, some of that obviously, obviously on his line and and TJ Watt, I mean, is just a monster out there, but, and some of it feels like Stefanski wasn't necessarily putting in the great plan there to protect the quarterback, but there are concerns with Baker's ability and there are concerns with Baker's height. Has this season been such a step back for Baker Mayfield that the Browns need to move on? I mean, when you assess this, the first thing you've got to ask yourself is how large is the body of work? How large is the sample size? We go through this with every young quarterback in the NFL, right? In Miami, you've covered the Dolphins. You're well aware of the Tua Tungavailoa situation. We're in year two and people want to move on. Year two. We haven't even completed year two and people want to move on, but I can understand why some people would get upset. The Sam Darnold situation with the New York Jets. Work your way around the National Football League. You've got young guys that get to a certain point where people either want to pull the trigger and get rid of them early, or maybe it's been three to four years. Mayfield's got four years under his belt now. 60 career appearances, 59 career starts. All right? I know that this year's been down, but for four years, he's completing 61% of his passes, which is unacceptable in the NFL. He's got 92 touchdowns to 56 interceptions. And his sack rate this season, 9.3%, which is the highest of his career. 
highest of his career. He's not playing behind an awful offensive line. I know last night there was an injury and it hurt the ability to protect him and he continued to go down. But he's been he's had problems processing the information and getting the ball out quickly. I would ask this, after everything I just laid out and how long he's been with the Browns so far, could you put the blame on coaching, weapons, the offensive line, or the defense? Because we can look around at situations with certain quarterbacks who aren't performing well, and we could say, well, he's behind an absolutely atrocious offensive line. Look at Justin Fields. How much of Justin Fields' struggles in Chicago this year do you put on him? Probably none. Everyone in Chicago is fed up and finished with Matt Nagy and GM Ryan Pace. They blame the coaching. The offensive line is a mess. And outside of Allen Robinson, you don't have a lot there. David Montgomery spent most of the season injured. You have reasons as to why a young quarterback like Justin Fields couldn't reach his potential. But for Mayfield, he's had stud wide receivers. He has an elite running game. He's got an offensive line. And he's got the reigning coach of the year calling the plays. It feels like we've seen enough over four years. It feels like he has enough surrounding him that he should be performing at a higher level. Yes, the injury hurts, obviously, but throughout everything that's presented in front of you, it doesn't look like he's going to be the guy to get you to the next level. He feels like a guy who's going to bounce around the league, holding down backup quarterback jobs, maybe stepping in as a starter here and there. I don't want to say Colt McCoy, but that's kind of what it feels like. He'll have a long-term career as a backup who can step in and maybe win you some games. But I don't know if he's going to be the type of guy you want to invest a ton of money in and build your franchise around, hoping that he can get you to the Super Bowl because we haven't seen a whole lot of growth over the course of four years. Early in his career, I think he had those excuses. Every quarterback going, all the top picks have that excuse, right? For the most part, early in their careers because they're all getting picked up by bad teams. And then he has the pieces put around him. He still spent a ton of time on his back last night. You cannot throw the football from your back. You also can't throw the football typically very well through injuries. I do feel like there are some excuses in place this season for Baker Mayfield. Coming off of a season last season where we were all high on this Browns team moving forward. It has been a huge step back. The question always is though fine if not Baker who and that has to be part of the evaluation process the reality is at least in my opinion the reality is the majority of quarterbacks in the NFL and the majority of quarterbacks available are not necessarily elite quarterbacks right like Patrick Mahomes doesn't grow on trees but there's a whole lot of Ryan Tannehill's out there that can be competent and can be good uh, if they have the right pieces around them on the right team it feels like Baker to me is more in that quarter is more in that quarterback uh uh uh, tier class so to category? speak class Hierarchy? category sure thank you thank you for helping tier? me out my brain my brain wasn't helping there or I uh, wasn't helping me there yes more in that quarterback tier where it's like a second tier quarterback you know third tier quarterback fine they aren't going to be able to rise above the team deficiencies by themselves they can't be out there alone they have to have the right pieces around them I don't know if that's a huge knock frankly on Baker because that feels like to me that's a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL if you do the right thing in how you treat the quarterback and what you put around the quarterback. There is this conversation to be had, well, he doesn't have the physical tools. I mean, we've seen short quarterbacks before. Like, there are the Drew Breeses and Doug Fluties of the world, right? Like, we've seen them have massive massive success before in the NFL. He's 6'1". The average quarterback, I think, is 6'3 in the NFL. I mean, it's not he's not that short, uh, and we make this big deal out of the physical tools. But last night was Kyler ugly. Kyler Murray's and- like 5'2". I used to have the argument that guys were too short and that would be a knock. Once Kyler Murray came along, I was like, all right, I'm done making that argument. 
argument. That's right. ridiculous. Well, and how mobile you are, obviously, yeah. maybe helps a bit when you're on the shorter side. But it was ugly seeing Baker's passes get knocked down. And I don't know if that's something that you can fix with throwing. But it does feel like this was just such a huge step back. It's just an interesting conversation. Like, where do the Browns go from here if, in fact, they are going to move on? Greeny, the podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. It is a two-horse race, or so they say. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, with all guests appearing via the Goodyear hotline. All callers join us on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, 1-888-SAY-ESPN. That's 1-888-729-3776. Listen to the Man in the Arena podcast, a 10-part series exploring how sports impacts our everyday lives through the lens of Tom Brady's career. Brought to you by State Farm and available wherever you get your podcasts. Amber Wilson and Joe Fortenbaugh were filling in for Greeny. And Joe, the Offensive Rookie of the Year, it is now down to two people. It is going to either be Jamar Chase or it's going to be Mac Jones. Now, Jamar Chase has overtaken Mac Jones as the favorite. I think Mac uh, really, really overtook this race back in November. I mean, at one point, he was like a minus 500 favorite in this race. And now, Jamar Chase, he really stole the show coming off of week 17. He really looks primed at this point to win the awards. He had 11 receptions, 266 yards, three touchdowns. That says the Bengals, of course, won that AFC North title and that dramatic 34-31 win over the Kansas City Chiefs. At this point, you, of course, are ESPN's NFL betting insider. At this point, is it Jamar Chase's award to lose? Is there anything Mac Jones can do? Well, I I think this is a lot tighter than the odds indicate because I think there are people that think like me, and this is going to be me taking away from Jamar Chase, and I hate to do it because he's been phenomenal this season. But how many times throughout the course of the game does he touch the ball versus Mac Jones? And that's why quarterbacks tend to win these awards, the Heisman Trophy, the MVP award, more than anyone else because they handle the ball so often. They are involved in every single play. Jamar Chase caught the ball, what, 11 times in that game against the Chiefs? Now, he had a monster game, but he handled the ball 11 times out of, what, 60 or 70 snaps? Joe but that's Burrow all you can was, do with that position. I mean, you can't handle it every single I know, time. I know. And that's why I look at Mac and I say to myself, he's the quarterback. He's completing 67% of his passes. His team is going to the playoffs. That's where I would lean with the award. But if it goes to Chase, I'm not going to be upset. I'm not going to say it was wrong because late in the year, he's making a push. And recency bias is a very real thing. We see it almost every single year with the Heisman Trophy. Devontae Smith, no one was talking about him to win that award halfway through the year, two years ago. And then he ends up surging late and everyone decides, hey, maybe this is not the year for the quarterback. And this season, Jamar Chase is putting up huge numbers late in big spots. That was the marquee attraction on Sunday was that game against the Chiefs. And he was balling 
from start to finish in that game. Meanwhile, Mac Jones, eh, you can knock him for his performance on the road. He hasn't been very good. And in that big win against Buffalo on that Monday night, they ran the ball every play but what, three? Which means how valuable was he in that situation? So if it goes to Chase, it's not going to surprise me. He should be the favorite. But if it ends up being tighter or it goes to Jones, I can understand why the voters would choose the quarterback over the wide receiver. I mean, balling is just not a word I would use to describe Mac Jones at this point in his career. He's been more of a game manager than he's been out there balling. He's been doing everything that they've asked him to do this rookie season, but Jamar Chase has been next level. Jamar Chase, like you said, has been absolutely balling. I just think what he's been doing is more special than what I've seen from Mac Jones, even though Mac Jones has been doing exactly what's been required of him in New England, and his team, of course, has been winning because of his efforts. Now, I wonder with Bill Belichick then, should he get coach of the year because this plays into this conversation with Belichick. He's doing it with a rookie quarterback. He's been setting his quarterback up to look good and he's been setting his team up where it needs to be in order to make the playoffs. This award is the hot flavor award. That's what this is. Voters love to find the story or the guy that came out of nowhere. Last year, it's Kevin Stefanski, right? Rookie head coach in Cleveland, wins 11 games. It's an obvious layup for the voters. This guy is your coach of the year. It's because they went from being so bad to so good, and they were such a positive story. I mean, we've seen Matt Nagy from Chicago win this award. Okay, so that tells you what you need to know about how great the coach is. Is it that he had a solid season? I know that's what we're basing it on. But when it comes to pure coaching, the only thing you need to know about the Coach of the Year award is that Bill Belichick hasn't won it since 2010. 2010. His team's been too good. You're right. Coming into the season, they're too good. They are so good that we always overlook Belichick because it's just taken for granted that he's going to win 10 plus games and go to the playoffs. He's so good, he can't win the award. So it going to Zach Taylor, I can see a lot of people getting excited about that. I wouldn't go with Taylor. There have been a lot of eggs the Bengals have laid this year. That game against the Jets, uh, they got blown out at home by Cleveland at one spot. He's done very well, but if you're handing anyone that award, how can it not be Mike Vrabel? Mike Vrabel has been sensational this season. Absolutely sensational. He's got the number one seed, and he lost Derrick Henry for half the year, and Julio Jones has only caught 26 passes. Yeah, I think overcoming those injuries has been phenomenal uh, for Mike Vrabel. Obviously, LaFleur also is going to be part of that conversation. Maybe hurts him, though, that he's playing uh, with an MVP caliber quarterback. Greeny is presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home, auto, car. You can save them both. Learn more at Progressive.com. 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. Coming up next, more Greeny. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Plus. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.